Welcome back to the Sleep in a Real podcast. I'm your host, Seth Davis. And today I'm very glad to welcome our guest, Kelly Reinhardt. Kelly is the founder of BCC Evolution, and she describes herself as a warrior for mental health. And she's out there in the world making a big difference for many people. I'm excited to have Kelly on today because there's a strong connection between mental health and sleep. And uh, we'll dive into that later in our conversation. But for now, Kelly, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. So as I mentioned, we'll bring this back around to sleep in a bit. But first, I want to just give you a chance to talk about what you do because it's such a worthy cause. So if you'd like to just start out by telling us about BCC Evolution, what is it? What is your vision for it? And what are you doing with it? Absolutely. BCC Evolution, it is a mental health and suicide awareness nonprofit. I started it in 2017. I guess the thought process came from 2017. Officially uh, got it as a 501c3 in 2018 after I lost my middle sister to a completed suicide on February 20th, 2017. And that's kind of where the idea sparked was that I didn't know exactly what my sister was going through, although she had attempted suicide six other times. I just didn't understand, nor did I have the knowledge, the understanding, any of the skills or tools or resources that I have today to really understand what she was going through. And But I did know after she passed that I wanted to help people, whether it be one person or millions of people. And so that's where BCC Evolution came about. And I originally was hyper-focused on the suicide prevention aspect. However, I found that a mental health challenge, whether it be for a moment or a lifetime, potentially leads people to complete the act of suicide. So if we can get to that root cause, that's the ultimate goal of BCC and starting to have the conversations, the open conversations about mental health, about suicidal ideology, about substance abuse and um, really making people feel heard, understood, and more aware of how they can help others. And that's really, I mean, BCC Evolution, I know it it means nothing about mental health and suicide, but uh, the name itself, uh, for whatever reason, I thought of a blind carbon copy email. And that was how I thought about mental health is it's there, but you may not know it's there because you can put a whole bunch of people's name on that BCC line. And the goal is to move them off of that line and get them to the two front so that they don't feel so alone. And that's where BCC originally came from. It kind of evolved into because Carrie cared and then evolution is because we're ever evolving. It changes, but we are now more focused on mental health education and educating as many people as we can through our classes and our events and everything that we do. Sure. And thank you for sharing the uh, background behind it and kind of the sad but but inspiring story about how it, it started. So can you tell us more about kind of what uh, some of the offerings that you do? I know you have a lot of different resources and events and what are some of the things that you offer for people to address their mental health and increase their awareness of the issues? So we have multiple levels of education. We start with our Shift Your Mindset Boot Camp, which is really designed for those that are struggling, uh, the ones that are really stuck in that negative cycle of thought pattern. 
and they want to move out of negative into positive. And then we have our mental health first aid classes, which we are partnered with the Mental Health First Aid USA and the National Council of Behavioral Health. And those just teach you how to identify, recognize, and assist those that may be um, experiencing a mental health or substance use challenge. And then we have our own curriculum, which is called Breaking the Cycle of Trauma. And ultimately, it's like the real things, mental health. What do I say to somebody? What do I do? Uh, Why does trauma affect our brain? How can I be resilient and help myself through self-care? And then we have a travel through trauma. So we actually hear stories from three individuals that have lived experience of trauma and what has helped them through it. And then the other level that we offer is a instructor portion of the breaking the cycle of trauma. So kind of like a stepstone of where you're at, but we want to be able to cover all the demographics and the one graph demographic uh, youth. We have a, it's called Give Youth a Voice program, and that's designed actually for youth themselves. So lots of different ways. <laughs> no, that's, they all sound very valuable. As many resources we can have out there for trauma and things like that, it's, you know, the, the better. Because just as a sleep coach, I've worked with some people who experience trauma and it's affecting their sleep and there's just a lot to unravel there and they're just dealing with a lot. So it's great to hear that you do offer those things to help them. So I know that you, uh, I saw that one of your big kind of missions or goals is to help a million people by 2030. So what's, can you talk a little bit more about that? And it's kind of, a, it's a big goal. So I like hearing that. So you can talk more about that. It is a big goal. And I think I, at one point, uh, as my board and I were talking, we had this chat around like, what are we actually doing? Because for the first three and a half years of BCC evolution, it was just kind of this passion project that I had. Um, I was working a corporate job and not really hyper-focused on the nonprofit But last year in 2021, I decided to quit my corporate job and jump in full time. And that's where the magic really started happening and the business building happened. And that's where we discovered what is our ultimate goal behind our events, behind our classes, behind uh, me speaking in to public or in public events. What's the whole point of it all? And that's where the the 1 million by 2030 came out because it's not impossible. I mean, the more people that we can get educated, whether it's through them actually taking a class or they're coming to an event that we host or myself being uh, the speaker at somebody else's event, it's absolutely possible to educate 1 million people and it's more so how do we save the, that one life, right? Like, how do we have the hard conversations? And it could be through podcasts, too. Like, there's so many different ways that we can educate people, not just the formal education like you would think um, coming to classes, but we have that option. So um, how we're keeping track is really like through the events and through the classes and seeing how many people we can possibly impact over a year. And this year, we've already had 12 mental health first aid classes that I've educated. 
And we've had multiple other events. We do an annual gala, and then we also have a mental health and suicide awareness film festival that we do every year in May. And so that's all part of education and getting more awareness, more conversation around mental health and suicide. Okay. Okay. That is very cool. Um, so coming, bringing you back to mental health. So you're in the trenches, you're working with a lot of people who are dealing with mental health issues and things like that. What are some of the, the trends that you're seeing? Like what's, what's affecting people's health? What's making it harder for people to stay healthy with their, with their mental health? I think, um, the trends that I'm seeing the most is, well, one, we haven't really truly figured out the replicate repercussions i guess from the pandemic yet we as humans we are not conditioned to be isolated and there's a lot of fear that has come out of um all of the covid 19 everything and so that's oftentimes what i'm hearing more than anything is this fear around what does it look like to be social or what does it look like for us to be safe again? And so safety and fear are a lot of the things that have been coming up. But then also this shift in society of people not having the space to have open and honest conversations because whether it be shame or uh, judgment or the stigma around mental health but one of the cool things that is happening is that the newer generations are so much more open about whether it be their gender or the conversation around how they're feeling right like emotions are starting to become something that people are finally talking about and so that's one of the cool trends that i've been seeing is that the generation now they're willing to have these conversations. Whereas when we look at the older generations currently, they just shut it down. Like it's not even an option for them to have the conversation. And so it's kind of a mix of, I've seen some really, really good things happening, but then I've also seen this dynamic of, we're still very fearful and not exactly sure what's going to happen with life in general so there's this safety concern and i think like you and i having these open conversations about there are resources there's people that you can talk to there's tons and tons of coaches out there now that can help you right uh you don't have to be worried or fearful or scared to ask for help anymore because we're all experiencing it it's not just the United States. It not, it's not just in Europe, right? It's across the board, across the world. And so how do we start having the big, big conversations um, instead of people feeling completely alone? Sure. And so to build on that, what are some of the ways that with BCC Evolution, how do you encourage some people to have those big conversations? Do you have some favorites, measures that you take to start that process? The biggest thing that I personally have been doing, and I know you know about this, but I do my Mental Health Mondays podcast show every single Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I've had guests that have come on across the world. Um, 
for whatever reason, I got really connected into the UK. And so I've had lots of guests on there from the UK. I've had some people from um, Ireland and uh, there's just been like all all over. And so that's the coolest part is that I can just open up these conversations and give people resources based off of the experience of other people. And then most recently, we actually just partnered with it's called Circles, but it's ultimately an online platform for emotional support. And so we are doing um, grief and loss support groups or I'm, I'm guiding uh, grief and loss support gl- groups on that platform. And one of the cool parts about that is you can come into it. It's free to sign up, but you can come in and be anonymous. So maybe if you're like, I don't want anybody to know who I actually am, but I'm going to use a nickname, you can do that. And you can, I mean, it's just voices. So it's not like you're seeing people. You can just come into the room and you can listen or you can talk or you can ask questions or not. And I just think that that's a really cool space to be able to open up for people. Yeah, that's great. That's great that you're kind of just helping to create that safe space for people where people can share and not feel judged or feel that worry of being judged. That's pretty powerful. How can people support you in your mission? The best way to support us is monetarily. Uh, really all the education that we do, all of the events that we do, uh, running a nonprofit full time, it is a business. And so breaking down the stigma and having these hard conversations and giving access to these fr- free support groups, uh, we just need backing by people. And uh, the easiest way is to become a warrior for mental health. I call myself a warrior for mental health, but you too can become a warrior. And it's really only $20 or more. And you get one of our really awesome warrior for mental health t-shirts. Otherwise, it's if you are a resource and you maybe have a, maybe you're a professional or you're in the holistic space or you have an experience that you think would help somebody else, uh, come be a guest on my podcast and let's have that conversation and give the resources back, or you can um, volunteer. There's lots of different ways (laughs) to help BCC evolution. But the main thing that we really are focusing on now is like you talked about is educating the 1 million people, but we can't do that without the support of uh, donors or corporations or sponsors. Uh, funding has to be there for us to ultimately provide support to as many people as possible. So, well, I will try to support you by sharing the the links to donate and are in the show notes. As it's definitely a good cause, and I think that there's just such a growing need out there, and so it's great to have people, more people like you out there addressing that need. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing those too. Sure. So, of course, uh, this podcast is about sleep. It's called Sleeping It Real. So, I'd like to bring it back around to that. And as I mentioned before, that the relationship between mental health and sleep is just really strong. They've shown that if you're not sleeping well, it can affect your mental health and it can lead to um, just increased risk of depression and, and things like that. And if you are um, dealing with mental health disorders or, or things like that, then it can affect your sleep, make your sleep worse. So there's just that strong connection there. And so I think that's great to have you on here to kind of touch on that. 
when you're out there in the mental health world, you're talking to a lot of people who are struggling. And do you notice that a lot of people bring sleep into the conversation and mention that their sleep has been affected by the other things that they're dealing with in their lives? Yeah, I actually, when you and I talked originally, I, one of the things that I didn't ever consider was like shift workers who they work overnight and then their body isn't necessarily um, in sync with the circadian rhythm, I think is the the right terms. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Um. I didn't really think about that as much until you and I really had our first conversation. And I do now notice that a lot of times when people come to me, that's what they say is like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating right. I'm not doing X, Y, Z properly or what people tell me to do. And I know now that sleep is huge because that's how our, bro- our bodies heal as we sleep and it can heal our minds and everything else that's going on with us. And if we're lacking in sleep, then it it manifests all sorts of different illnesses and dis- dis-ease in our bodies. So I do, I hear that a lot when people come to me and say that they're struggling with a mental health challenge for sure. Sure. Okay. And I, and I was thinking about it too, just, um, you know, when I'm working with people, there's something called the 3P model of insomnia. Um, and so it talks about how sleep issues begin and how they start to persist. And so where mental health fits into that is usually um, with the first P is predisposition or predisposing. So a lot of people are predisposed to insomnia because they're dealing with anxiety or depression or they're overthinkers or they're worriers. And so they're automatically just kind of more predisposed to those sleep issues. And then when we do encounter something that affects our sleep, then again, we start to have anxiety about the sleep or worry about the sleep. And so just kind of shows just how mental health is wrapped in there, where our emotions and our thoughts and all those things are tied to how we sleep, how we think about sleep, and how we actually do sleep. Um, so it kind of maybe just got brought me down that road about how mental health and sleep are actually tied together in that respect. Do you have any advice for, for people, you know, when you're working with people and you're working to help them work their way through some of these mental health issues, do you have any tips that you give them that might be also be helpful for sleep as well? Yeah, I, when I'm working with somebody, my ultimate goal is to get to the root cause of whatever's going on. And whether it's them, like I wake up every single morning at 4 a.m. right like if they're coming to me and they're like this is what's happening and I can't go back to sleep I'm not getting sleep then we look at what is the root cause of that oftentimes it it can or what I've seen is it may be related to either a pattern or a trauma that might have happened at that time and so we're really looking to get to that root cause so that we can um, change whatever pattern is in there. And so I think the best thing is to like, what is that thing, the underlying thing? It's not just that I'm waking up at 4 a.m. Like there's something else going on. So how do we discover that underlying cause? And I think that it's hard to do it by yourself. 
So what I would say to people is ask for help, whether it be like from myself or from Seth or somebody else who can really help you deep dive into that root cause of what's ever going on. And then one of the things that I do is before going to bed, put your phone away, like allow your brain the space to start relaxing because oftentimes we're constantly, we have a cell phone in front of our face and we're like, oh, I can just do one more thing. Oh, I could just do one more thing. And we have access to technology now today that we can't, but set the boundaries for yourself. Like I want to get good rest. Therefore, an hour before I go to bed, that's when that's my boundary is that I turn off everything and I move away from it. And so creating those boundaries around when you're going to sleep so that your brain can start to calm itself down because it is it's been scientifically proven that when we're so connected to technology, our brains just never shut off. And so how can we allow our brains to shut down so that we can get that good restful sleep? So those would be the two things that I, I can think of off the top of my head is there's more often a root cause of what's going on. It's not just that I wake up every single morning at 4 a.m. There's something underlying, whether it be a trauma or a pattern or something that we experienced around that time. And we need to get to that root cause. And then the second thing is start creating boundaries, boundaries around going to bed. Like, what does that process look like? And how do we um, start to eliminate the things that keep our brain cycling? We need to break that cycle and ultimately have those boundaries in place so that we can get restful sleep. All right. Those are great tips. You're speaking my language right now. <laughs> those are a couple of things I work on with a lot with people. And it's funny that you mentioned the root cause thing because my, the last episode of my podcast, I spent the time talking about getting to the root of sleep issues. So it's, it's talking about the exact same thing about how a lot of times with sleep specifically, sometimes we start having this issue. So it might, the problem is I'm waking up at 4 a.m. or whatever, and then we respond to it by doing a lot of things that might be unhelpful. So instead of getting to the root cause, I'm going to take sleep medications or I'm going to spend a lot more time in bed and all these things that are not going to be helpful in the long run. Um, so root cause is great. And then, yeah, you're right about how just a lot of times we don't give ourselves our brain time to prepare and calm down before bed and disconnect. And it show, tends to show up in the, you know, in our sleep, whether it's trying to have trouble falling asleep or trouble staying asleep. Um, so setting those boundaries is, is a great tip. Have you noticed, so you said that you, you have a, a son who's around seven and with kids, especially with teenagers these days, we're seeing a lot more threats to their mental health or um, what are you seeing with, with kind of that age group, teenagers and kind of the preteen kids as far as mental health and making it harder for them to calm their minds too? I think the main, and I mean, we have a teenager also. <laughs> oh, so, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I The biggest thing that I have observed or seen is the um, obsessiveness is the word that's coming to my mind. But with technology, I mean, they're constantly plugged in. Um, our teenager will be on her phone watching TV. 
her boyfriend's next to her. He's on his uh, phone. Like both of them have earpods in. They're both watching TV or not watching TV. I, I don't know, but not really even having conversations. And they're constant. It's not like there's a moment that they're away from their technology. They're constantly, unless they're at work and they're forced to be, they're constantly on the technology. The same goes with my son. I mean, I do limits on a screen time. And that's the best way that I've found. I shut it. I shut all the internet off around 745, at least for him. And that's like one of the ways that I can get him disconnected because otherwise if I let him, he literally will stay on his Nintendo or his tablet or whatever it is all day long. And so there's got to be some way to disconnect. And what we're seeing in translation to mental health is that we have a lack of communication. There's a lack of socialization. And then we don't know like confrontations. We don't know how to have the confrontations with people. The other thing is that we can hide behind a screen. So bullying has gotten so much worse because you can't get away from it. Like when we were growing up, we didn't have technology. And so it was like, you'd go to the school, you get bullied, but then you could go home and disconnect and not have to worry about it. But now it's like, it follows them everywhere they go because of technology. So it's important, especially with youth in general, is to be able to limit screen time. Also knowing what they're doing on the screens. I mean, of course, with my seven-year-old, I have a much different control um, or I have more control with him than the 19-year-old. But it's still important to have those conversations and get them to detach themselves because I have talked to so many people and where the bullying, the obsessiveness of needing that device has become so much worse. And I don't know all the answers around what it looks like to make it better, but we've got to start having the conversations. And I get technology is really, really awesome, but it's actually causing a lot more trauma and things going on with our brains sure. that we don't even have the conversation about. So, yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's helping the kids to set boundaries because sometimes as adults, we have trouble setting our own boundaries like you talked about. So kind of helping them to at least do a little bit better in that area. Bullying, like you mentioned, is a, a tough one to solve just because there is that anonymity uh, between people and you know, hiding behind screens. But I thought it was interesting when you, you talked about the, the communication part of it. And it made me think of pretty often I drive past a high school and I'll see, you know, groups of like three or four kids crossing the streets and their friends walking together, but each one of them has their AirPods in and doing their own thing. And so it's funny to watch these, you know, the individual or these people as a group, but they're all individual. They're not communicating. So it's interesting to see what that's going to, what the long-term effects of that might look like or how it's going to change things. Yeah, I think in a way we've started to see it is that we don't have conflict resolution anymore. Everybody is so engulfed in their own world or their own space. We're not acknowledging that other people <laughs> exist in a way. Um, so I think that we've seen it in that aspect. But also it's, I mean, going back to talking about suicides in Colorado, 
suicide is now the first leading cause of death for ages 11 to 14. I mean, that just is mind-blowing in itself because it's getting younger and younger. And they don't have access to be able to, like I said, unplug. And so now it's following them everywhere that they go. And that is not helpful at all on our mental health. And then we don't have this conflict resolution. And so now it's creating even more challenges. And I know like teachers really, really try. The school districts really, really try. But it's really hard today with technology as it is. Sure. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about this. Hopefully any parents who are listening, it encourages them to think about how can we change things in our own household to, to provide some of those changes, like the boundaries, the communication, how can we coexist with technology without it having a harmful impact on, a, on us or our children too. Yeah, definitely. Good conversation to have. But just for people who out there who might be struggling with mental health and they're worried about going to get help with it, or they're just hesitant to get help. Do you have any, uh, kind of an inspiring or motivational message you'd like to share with them? I would really just say it's absolutely okay to not be okay. It's also okay to ask for help. And it's, I know, really, really hard to do that, but it is really important. And I promise you, somebody is out there that will listen. And if nobody is, you are more than welcome to reach out to BCC Evolution. Um, you can send emails to support at bccevolution.org. We also have tons of resources on our website. There's online resources. There's actual people resources. There's so many things on there that I would just recommend if, if you don't know who your person is, Find somebody that you trust, have that conversation. And if you're on the receiving side of that, don't try to give advice. Nobody likes everybody else's advice. Just listen. I mean, silence can be so powerful. And just opening up the space to really truly listen to what somebody is going through can be so much more impactful on somebody's life, like more than you could ever possibly understand. And so if we can all just get really good at listening and not have that 2.5 second uh, attention span that we are unfortunately conditioned to currently, then we can ultimately just really start saving lives and allowing people that space to be seen and heard. And in my brain, that really ultimately will start to save lives. Very well said. I think that's a great thought. And thank you for sharing that with us. Is there anything else that you wish that I would have asked you during this interview? No, I think, I mean, this is a great conversation. I love connecting. Like you said, mental health and sleep are so connected. And so having the open, honest conversation. And if anybody, like I said, if you need support and you don't have that trusted person or you need some extra resources, please reach out because you never really truly are alone. And there's a lot of people out there that do or are willing to help and support you just like Seth or myself or whomever. We really truly are here trying to serve as many as we can. And I saying that I always say is if we open our minds, hearts and mouths, 
together, we can make mental health matter. Okay. I love that. And I'll echo that. I am always available to you if, if anybody needs a listening ear. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us more about what you're doing with BCC Evolution. I think it's a great cause. I think you're on the right track to doing big things and helping a lot of people. So thank you for sharing your story and I wish you the best of luck in, in everything you do. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Sure.